You're listening to One Good Take, the podcast that delves into the nitty-gritty of film development and distribution and explores the often elusive chemistry that brings the film to life. In this episode of One Good Take, I talk with writer-director Ben Reed. Over the last decade, Ben's work has received Emmy, Grierson, RTS and BAFTA nominations and awards. Our focus today is his short film, Innocence. You can watch the film from the link in the show notes. In fact, I recommend you pause this now, if you possibly can, and watch it first. It's around 20 minutes in length. Then come back to this, as our discussion will be more illuminating if you do. Here's that take. Ben, hi, how's it going? Welcome to the show. (laughs) Hey, man, how's it going? Yeah, good to speak to you. Yeah, good, yeah. So we've tried a few times, haven't we, to book a day for this. And you've been so busy, though, promoting your short film, yeah, Innocence. Yes, well, yeah, currently doing something for Netflix, and um, it's, uh, yeah, doing yeah. films at the same time, is, is yeah. which can be quite time-consuming, but I'm very, very privileged and honoured to be talking to you today, and really looking forward to talking about Innocence. Yeah, that's where we should start, I think. I, I saw it just the other day, and I have to say, it's very, very, very good. Definitely in my top three best crime drama shorts. Um, great story, superb production value, performances, and bold, I think, in its insight and, and interesting. And we're going to come on to why it uh, concerns Down syndrome and people with Down syndrome and our perception of people with Down syndrome and stereotypes, therefore. So anyway, let's start with you telling me a little bit about the story for, for our listeners. Uh, so okay, well, I mean, I'm quite curious to know what your other two favourite crime short films are as well. Ah, yeah, well, I, I can't you give you the time. Uh, like, you should just take the compliment. Yeah, <laughs> Don't no, pin me down on what the other titles yeah. are. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So, so Innocence is a film which takes place in a care home. Uh, it's a crime thriller. It's a murder mystery. It's a whodunit. And one of the reasons I wanted to make this film is because my brother has Down syndrome. And my brother feels like he's never seen anyone on screen that represents who he is and the qualities he has. And that's not to say the representation of people downstream on the screen before hasn't been good and hasn't been well-intentioned. It's just it's often being done in a one-dimensional way, or if not a one-dimensional way, with the focus very much on people with Down syndrome as being saintly characters, good-natured, kind-hearted, sweet characters. And that kind of represents the stereotype of people with Down syndrome in society at large. And my brother um, <laughs> is something... He's had enough of that. Yeah, he's had enough of that. I'm and, a bad boy. And, well, yeah. I wouldn't say so far as a bad boy, but it's definitely bad boy elements, um, which, yeah, okay. which I think arguably like we all have, you see, and that's, yeah, yeah. and that's something that I really wanted to kind of get out there to the world, that people with Down syndrome can be good, bad, ugly. They can really kind of... Um, go through the whole gamut of human emotions, just like we all can. And they're capable of doing good things or bad things. And I wanted to create a hero or an anti-hero, depending on your moral philosophy once you've seen this film, um, that had never been seen before in cinema. I wanted to create a character with Down syndrome who had real agency, had a real sense of his own um, views on what is morally right and what is morally wrong and wasn't scared and afraid to get their hands dirty to uh, deal with what they found offensive in society as represented through the characters 
in this film um, and the people who are running the care home he lives in. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm now veering towards plot details, which, you know, for people who haven't seen the film could prove problematic uh, <laughs> to kind of give away the ending. Uh, but in a nutshell, that, that's kind of where, that's kind of like the genesis of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you pack in quite a lot, actually. I, 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 when I look back at it in my mind, it was almost like an hour episode, you know, pilot for some drama that's going to run on to develop this story although it it, it is self-contained and works as a short but it, it does feel like it could expand and you know and and it's very vivid and there's a lot going on without it ever being cluttered i think the pacing's very even um yeah well, it really, really carried me along yeah well it's really lovely to hear you say that i mean that's something we worked very hard at in terms of trying to get the pacing right because there's a lot of information and there's a lot of plot detail that goes into 20 minutes. Um, but, you know, we, we've had this flashback structure, which we thought would work fantastically to explain what had happened and what events had led up to this mysterious murder in the care home. Yeah. And I think that's quite hard to handle, isn't it? Because, you know, it can be quite clunky, uh, the flashback device, and yet it was seamless in your film, which, uh, I think it's really quite hard to pull off, but you just weave in and out quite seamlessly. Uh, and it doesn't make us feel, oh, where are we now? And, you know, it's a yes. sort of jolt. Yes. Um, it, it feels very um, cohesive. Yeah, I mean, we, we felt like once we kind of, met, when I was working on the script, I felt like once we got down the structure where we knew that the centre of the film would be the detective, Detective Noble, played by Alice Lowe, interviewing Dylan, um, the character with Down syndrome, played by Tommy Jessup. Uh, but was, you know, that was the centre, that was the spine of the film. It was through their conversation that we'd had that ability to flash back and slowly drip feed the viewer with information about what had happened in the build-up to, uh, to the murder and why the detective was questioning Dylan. And what we also thought was something interesting to play with was that concept, that great age-old, uh, trope of crime dramas in, in the history of cinema of the unreliable narrator and just, you know, what you're being told and fed. Is it real? Is it not? And that's something I'd love to talk more about when, you know, you would like to as well, just um, how maybe the viewer is blindsided and why. Yes, as the detective is as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, let's talk a bit about the script and how you started writing it. Uh, do, I see you gave a credit to Owen Gower, another writer. Um, did you start together or did he come in a bit later? Well, so I had the, uh, I, 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 I mean, the inspiration for the film comes very much from, in structure, The Usual Suspects. Because in The Usual Suspects, you have a character who feigns a disability, pretends to have a disability to make a detective feel that they're weak. So they would then feel that if they broke them into telling them what they're trying to hold back on. That would mean the detective has got the answers to the case and the victimised weak person is the, the witness who's finally broken and said what they wanted to hold back from saying. So w once I knew I had that concept in my mind that I wanted to do something different with that and flip it. So we've now got a scenario where you've got somebody who has got a disability, Dylan, the character with Down syndrome, but that character... I wanted to represent somebody that the detective, sorry, I wanted the detective to see that character as somebody who is weak because they have a disability. 
but the person with the disability is smart enough to know he can use that to his advantage. Because people in society, just like the detective, are always underestimating people with Down syndrome and are always underestimating people with disability. So this kind of shows, this allows me to then have that structure where we can then play with that through the course of the flashbacks and the plot and what we reveal, and the twisty, twist in the end. And, uh, so I had that structure and that idea down. But obviously, like you just said, it's quite a complex thing to then be able to pull off this twisty-turny plot whilst doing flashbacks and whilst getting all this plotting information out. And that's where Owen came in and was extremely helpful and extremely talented and brought so much to the table in terms of how he was able to help structure that and also working on dialogue and getting things um, so that they kind of worked and flowed, got the pacing right, and we worked collaboratively on that for uh, on and off over a year, just trying to get it so that the, the, the plot would all come together. Um, and then my script editor, Liz Barnes, is someone who is very close to me because she is my partner and the mother of my child. And, she, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and she's a very, very talented writer in her own right. And, and she was on board to really help with the final phase of the film and to give her own thoughts on dialogue and structure and pacing. And without Liz as well, the film would have been possible. So it really was a collaborative effort. Sounds great. Um, so where did you go after you got a draft that you were happy with in terms of money, crewing up, production, location? How did it all start to evolve from there? The truth of the matter is, I, before I had the draft, I had the idea to a, a place where I felt it was, you know, sellable in terms of a synopsis and people attached. And at that stage, I went to everybody you could imagine. I went to all the major terrestrial channels. I went to uh, different streaming services. I went to producers who had produced high-profile shorts in the past. And the long story short is every single person turned me down. And, and and I think that might be indicative of the fact that people see a disability as being something that isn't sellable on screen. And, yeah, and isn't something, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. which? Which is like so true. Mm. Yeah, which which is you know a, a sad thing, but sadly a reality. And again, what I'm hoping is the success of this film and the fact it's been so successful is something which will open up eyes to producers and to finances to see that there is a market and you can do interesting things with characters with disabilities and you can show cinema in a bold new original light by taking advantage of that um so to go back to your original question uh once the draft was in place i went door to door with lots of different producers production companies and they all said no and then in my tv career i made a, a show called locked up abroad for national geographic and I worked with a fantastic producer called Tebow Travers on that. And Tebow and myself really gelled when we were filming our Locked Up Abroad in South America. Yeah, in, I saw that series. In, in, in Ecuador, thank you. And then we, I sent in the script to Innocence, and Tebow just looked at it in a way which hopefully everybody should look at the story and just see if it's good or not. And he thought it was a great story. And he didn't even really think about the angle of the disability. He just thought that Dylan was a great character. And he was, you know, right on board with me saying, let's make it. Um, and then through that, we started to look into what further resources we needed, what budget we needed. And together, we 
were prepared to put in enough money to get the film half made, I'd say. And, and that's when we reached out to a casting director who's helping us cast it, and they passed us on to Ken Ross. Now, Ken Ross works for the Portsmouth Down Syndrome Association. He's just been made BAFTA's uh, sole member for the, the, the main representative for inclusion for BAFTA. And he produced a film called My Feral Heart, which stars a fantastic actor with Down syndrome, which is actually broadcasting on Channel 4 on the 16th, I think it was, or the 18th um, of this okay. month of March. Yeah, uh, and he had a very... Um, he has a he has a son with Down syndrome, just like I have a brother with Down syndrome. He has skin in the game, as it were, and he cares passionately about giving more opportunities to people with disabilities and Down syndrome in all walks of life, um, in all manners of careers and professions and opportunities. And I sent him the script, and this is something which I think is worth mentioning. When he first read the script, he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a part of it because he felt because it was so dark because it was so challenging and so edgy and bold in the way it was portraying the character of Downstrom in a murder mystery, he wasn't sure if that was a good representation of Down syndrome. But to hugely to Ken's credit, when I told him why I was making it, he then saw that, in fact, his gut reaction to that was the very reason why he needed to support this and to help fund this. Because if he, somebody who knows better than most people that people with Down syndrome can do and play anything in life. Uh, if he's kind of closing off doors and opportunities to people with Down syndrome because he sees that they can't be shown in a, a more diverse way, then that's, you know, something that needs to be addressed. Um, and I suppose like the elephant in the room I'm talking about here is because we haven't kind of quite talked about what the character with Down syndrome does. I mean, I don't know if it's now is a good point to mention that if somebody wants to watch the link on your podcast, uh, and come back to the podcast, I could then yeah, yeah. throw in a few spoilers and, and expand on that. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so spoiler alert, uh, the character with Down syndrome is a murderer um, and he murders a care somebody who works in a care home, who runs a care home, who is sexually abusing the other people who are in the care. Now, the reason he murders this person is because his brother also works in a care home and his brother despite Dylan's pleas for him to do something about the care home manager's behaviour, turns a blind eye to it. So Dylan murders this person to protect the other people, and he frames his brother for the crime because he sees his brother as also being responsible for the crimes because he's refusing to do anything about it. So that, as you can imagine... Is, is something <laughs> which oh, is quite dark, isn't it, to say the least? Yeah, yeah. it's quite dark, but it oh, also, but it also, I think, makes you reflect on whether or not his his behaviour is acceptable or not, and are you more disturbed by his behaviour because he has Down syndrome, or are you more taken in by the twist that he's the actual murderer because you yourself think there's no way in the world someone with Down syndrome could be connected to the murder which is exactly what the detective thinks at the beginning. And why do you think that? And do you think that because you've never been shown a film of this nature before? Or do you think that because you've never actually known a character of Down syndrome to be feisty, to be angry, to be aggressive? Um, or, or do you think that because your lack of knowledge and experience of interacting with people with Down syndrome? Yeah. 
my, my only question there, Ben, was why a brother? Um, it, it seemed like, you know, that's quite a, a thing to do, isn't it, to turn against your own brother, even, even if he's a bit of a dope and, and a bit of a, a failure. But, yeah, I just wondered why brother? I mean, I know you, your brother has Down syndrome, so there's that kind of brotherly connection, and maybe that's how you sort of started. That was your starting point, and you didn't want to depart from that. But I, I, I just wondered if there was anything you wanted to say about that. I mean, he, he could have been just the other guy in, in the care home, care home who turned a blind eye, couldn't he? Yes, no, I, I agree. And I, and I think, you know, in some ways I run the risk of having less empathy for Dylan because he is, you know, dobbing in his brother and framing <laughs> his brother for yeah. a horrific crime. But at the same time, you know, as Shakespeare has proven, as the history of drama has proven, uh, you know, familial relations uh, are fantastic for drama. And they always raise the stakes, you know. Yeah, you know, that's true. And, you know, if, if if Michael is, you know, choosing for Fredo to be killed in The Godfather Part Two, it's far more powerful if he's choosing another mafia boss to be killed. Um, yeah. So the more, I suppose it helps to make it also a little bit more shocking, doesn't it? Yes, I think so. Yeah. But I think the shock is deserved because I think also his brother feels that he's as long as he's protecting Dylan, and Dylan's not being sexually abused, then all the other abuse is okay, and he can turn a blind eye to it. And that's something that, in Dylan's eyes, is, is, is hideous and something which is unacceptable. And, you know, in, in essence, I feel like me personally, from my moral compass, I'm kind of supporting Dylan in his actions, you know, in a filmic world, because he sees that his brother should pay a price as well as Michael. But, you yeah. know, that's not to say I'm in support of vigilante killings or anything like that, but from a dramatic, filmic perspective and from a genre-based perspective, I think it's kind of following a, a, a genre revenge film trope, which works for, works for a reason, you know? If I may press on just a bit with the development of the film you you got together with owen and, and your wife and you tried these producers and you got together with ken yeah and so so where did you did you as a team sort of raise the money or did you go crowdfunding or did you get any money from other sources so if you want to break down of the cash um so i put in like about six grand which i'd you know saved up over the years and tebow put in about three grand um and i apologize to tebow if I'm getting any of these figures wrong, because he's the producer and he's better with money than I am. But we still needed to get around 20 grand to be able to make the film in the manner we, we, we wanted to, to give it production value we wanted to get. Yeah, I Actors of the caliber of Alice Lowe and Richard Glover and Lawrence Feldman attached, uh, in addition to Beth and Beth Asher and Tommy Jessup. Uh, and so Ken put, kindly put in £13,000. Um, wow, yeah, of so, his own money. Of his own money. Yes. Well, that's um, impressive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, and that again, just hats off to Ken for you know making this all possible, and it really helps. You know, I think that really highlights how much Ken believes this film needed to be made. So, so you had the money together finally, and I guess then you were, of course, you were working with casting directors Shakira Downing. Yeah. Shakira Downing. Sorry, getting the name wrong. Um, and 
Then you are hunting for crew and also uh, the big one, location. Did you use some kind of a care home or <laughs> so, studio for that? Yeah, it's interesting you say that, like the big one. So that was very, 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 very tricky to find a care home. And it's nice that you're actually asking the question, like, how did we find a care home? Because we ended up building a set. Yeah, I did wonder. It's, yeah. it's very well done, but yeah. Yeah, so we ended up building a set, but we used the community centre in Kilburn. Um, for all the, sh the shots which are not based in the actual bedroom. And it's only the bedroom, which is a set. And that set was built in the gym of the community centre. Uh, and what it also meant was we had a real ticking clock because we had to dismantle <laughs> the set. Yeah, been there, been there. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, on, on, day, on day three yeah. by like two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, dear. And yeah. we were trying to, now what we've said to spoilers, we could go for it. We were trying to chuck you know, one of our actors out of a window. And yeah. we were trying to get it right, and we had our stuntman on standby. And obviously, you want to make sure these things are done properly, so there's no risk yeah. to anyone uh, and, a, yeah. and a ticking clock. Um, yeah. But you know, we, we we got the job done. But uh, yeah, big shout out to Mary Luciani. If I should, should know Mary's surname better by now, Mary Luciani um, for her fantastic work. I've worked for her in a number of things, and she's an amazing production designer. And how many days did you? cover uh so, on the shoot so we shot that we shot the short in four days yeah so, so it's about five, five minutes a day isn't it yeah yeah what were, what were you using for camera we're using, a, we're using a red a red okay is that a preferred camera or is it just you've got a really good deal on it oh well we've got a good deal of it but i've worked with paul curse up the the great cinematographer um on, on the previous thing i did for locked up abroad and we talked about the style and the feel we wanted for this film. We very much wanted a kind of moody, you know, neo-noir kind of feel to it. So there's lots of shadows, lots of darkness, and the red works very well with low light. And that was one of the reasons we, we went for the camera as well. But I'm not, but I'm not someone who fetishizes equipment and lenses uh, too much because you know I, I feel like it's equipment's one thing, but you know, if you haven't got the story, you don't know where you want to place the camera. That, oh, no. that that's going yeah. to get you nowhere. Um, but of course, it is important to have the right equipment to begin with. Yeah, and the look of the film is quite blue and yellow in the grade. Am I right? I seem to remember. Yes, it, I think is it that kind of chilly feel to it, when the yellow is a sort of slightly almost uroniferous sort of feel to it. You know, this kind of the bad care home. You know, it's kind of yeah. feels like a, a hospital gone wrong, doesn't it? Yes, it's um, kind of combinations of color i mean one of the things when i when i sent my like one of the drafts of my script to like some friends and people i work with in tv there was one person uh who is like very highly thought of double BAFTA award winner who i showed it to but their response actually sorry i just i just kind of gave the, the idea to him not the actual script but his initial knee-jerk response was well the problem with care homes is they're not cinematic you know, that's not a cinematic location. You need to think about, you know, our viewers going to be interested in a film they care home. You say care home, people just think that seems worthy or that seems depressing or that seems dank, but it does it actually feel like, you know, the right setting for a murder mystery, which is all, you know, valid feedback. But I feel like, you know, with our film, we use the location and the cinematography and the lighting to, to give it a real sense of time and place and to, to make it an interesting character. Itself. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, worked very well. Yeah. And uh, so after the film was finished, what were you doing then? Promotion with 
I mean, I, I understand you're wanting to release the film online. Well, we've already done the festival circuit. So we, we, we kind of got into 20-plus film festivals. We picked up seven awards. We got long-listed for a BAFTA and an Oscar. And we wanted now to release it online for free. So as many people who are listening to this have a chance to watch it and enjoy it um, and for them to spread it and share it far and wide um, to help support inclusion and to show what actors down syndrome can do when the gloves are off and they're given a really meaty, gritty role. Um, we chose Omeletto as the sharing site um, because the fact that they have so many high-quality shorts on their site. And we're going to release it on the week starting the 16th of March. Uh, well, actually, I'm sorry, I think 15th to Monday, but I think it's been released on the 16th. It may be a bit later. We're still getting that confirmed. But whoever's listening to this now, if, um, if it's in mid to late March, it will be out there online. Check out on the podcast to see the link. And we wanted to also release it before World Down Syndrome Day so we could help kind of celebrate World Down Syndrome Day by having that film out there for the public to see. Yeah, and that's the 21st, isn't it? That's correct, that's yeah, 21st March. Yeah, 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 cool. Yeah, and so what about next steps Well, with this project, at least? Well, this project, so, I mean, this is, uh, we like to think this film is like the, the building blocks, the, the, the first step up the ladder to making a feature with the same characters. And I've written a first draft of the script for the feature. It's a bit bigger in its um, scope and it's covering London and South America and it follows another story of brothers and betrayal. This time there's lots of drug violence thrown into the mix together with um, uh, a, a girlfriend of one brother that might be playing both sides, may not be who we think she is, might be a femme fatale in there. Um, kind of keeping my cards slightly to my chest because obviously the idea we kind of need to kind of get it, uh, yeah. keep it for ourselves. Uh, but we're all very excited about it, and I'm working with the same producers, Tebow and Ken. Um, but if there is any opportunity to kind of get other people on board who love the short and think that they can see their capabilities and the potential to turn it into a feature in a slightly different setting then please do get in contact um, because we are looking for further finances and further people to come on board the journey um, to make this make the film a reality. Sure. Do you have any initial development equity? That's kind of still, still to be confirmed. Um, Ken has uh, some wealthy friends and Ken has some friends who made big features and Ken's made a feature couple of features himself in the past so we're in a place where we can reach out to them but we kind of want to get another draft of the script done first and make it um a more kind of finalized proposal if that makes sense you know so we have like the brochure ready we have it good to go but in terms of kind of getting everything crystal clear in terms of a pitch I feel like there's another part of the script that really helped me. And would you be looking to attach cast before trying to raise further money? It's interesting you say that because um, I'm very much interested in working with Tommy Jessup again, um, the lead actor in this. Yeah, he's very good. But in terms of going to cast, as I'm sure you know as well, if you've got big cast members, 
big names in mind, which I have some which I think would be fantastic for this film. If you put in an offer, sometimes sight unseen, it's kind of a, a yay or nay that they have to kind of make a decision on and kind of want to get the script to the highest quality before you send it to them. Um, so it's kind of a question of kind of getting a, maybe a bit more financial interest and support going on whilst developing the script before going to the cast. Yeah. I guess by the time you get round to thinking about cast, attaching cast and so on, we might be through the worst of the pandemic, you know, touch word wherever it is, um, you know, the vaccine rollout and so on. There is the prospect of cinemas reopening and so on, because that will, of course, for an independent film, be quite important unless you're just going the streaming route, are you? Well, at this stage, I mean, we would not discount anything, you know. I think it's, you know, my, my passion is to get this film made to show to the world, you know, on a bigger scale what actors with Down syndrome can do, what great stories can be told with them at the very focus of the story. Uh, so if that was via streaming or if that was via cinema release, you know, I, I would take either. You know, for any filmmaker worth their salt, if they don't want to see their film on a big screen, their heart's not in the game. So... <laughs> I'd obviously yeah, yeah. love to see it in a cinema, but, you know, there's very acclaimed, very talented filmmakers out there right now who are kind of making the, the Netflix uh, route uh, the only option that they're pursuing because they know that that's the only option that will actually fund and support their film. So that's the route they take. I totally, totally understand. Yeah. Is this project the main one that's taking up your time or you have other things on the go? Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm in, in the middle of doing a Netflix two-parter at the moment, a true crime series, uh, which needs to be kept a bit under wraps, I'm afraid. But um, So that that's uh, that's paying the mortgage and uh, keeping me busy. Um, Sounds good. And that's kind of running through to June. Um, and then the attention can def yeah. definitely be more 100% back on the feature. Right. Sounds like you're in the editing suite. I am in the editing suite. As, yeah. as we speak, working working remotely with my editor, which has been COVID time. So got remote setups so we can kind of view the footage. Um, I'm finding Frame.io a very handy device if you're not familiar with that, which kind of you can get a cut and then mark up the cut and kind of give all your notes and feedback and then go through the cut again. Kind of making okay, I don't know that. So well, what was the name again? Frame.io. Frame IO, okay. Yeah. My daughter's an editor. I, I'll have to ask yeah. her about that. So it's very yeah. useful, yeah. Hmm. Good. Well, um, we should wrap it up here, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting talking to you about this film uh, in some depth. And I hope you get a great response on the, on the film. Yeah, lovely chatting, Rick. Really appreciate yeah. your time. Sure. All right, man. Thanks so much. Cheers, man. Bye. Yeah. Ben Reed. And if you haven't yet watched his film, Innocence, click on the link in the show notes. It could be the best drama you see all week. Hold up. 